in many ways, it's great to be back inside a building that doesn't shake in the wind and have rain coming through. But we have had a wonderful uh, week away at New Wine. And um, as you probably know, many members of our church community um, have been away enjoying um, not just the weather, but some fantastic times of teaching. And actually, uh, one of the things I most appreciate is spending time together, a whole week us with members of our church together. And that's a very special time. Um, But I was amazed to find myself um, on the first occurrence of a meeting being able to be attended that I was actually turned away from the venue. Now they told me that it was because the venue was full. uh, And I'm hoping that was was the case. But... um, I found myself listening to a series of talks um, that were directly related um, to what I was already prepared for today, even down to the first talk being on the same passage we're going to look at this morning. So that's made me even more convinced, I suppose, of the relevance for us of this today. Um, So in in a way, you might consider this part of... uh, me sharing my new wine experience as well. I'd like to play you uh, a little clip from a well-known fo- uh, film. Uh, we'll, see, we'll see a couple of these, but we're thinking about a journey, and, and maybe the title um, already gave you some clue as to what that film might be. I'm looking for someone to share in an adventure. An adventure? Now, I don't imagine anyone west of Bree would have much interest in adventures. Nasty, disturbing, uncomfortable things. Make you late for dinner. Good morning. To think that I should have lived to big good morning by Belladonna Took's son. As if I were selling buttons at the door. Beg your pardon? You've changed. I'm not entirely for the better, Bilbo Beckins. I'm sorry, do I know you? Well, you know my name, although you don't remember I belong to it. I'm Gandalf. And Gandalf means... Me. Not Gandalf, the wandering wizard who made such excellent fireworks. Oh, oh too. Used to have them on Midsummer's Eve. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> No idea you were still in business. And where else should I be? <laughs> well, I'm pleased to find you remember something about me. Even if it's only my fireworks. Yes. Well, that's decided. It'll be very good for you. And most amusing for me. I shall inform the others. Inform the who? What? No, no. No, wait. We do not want any adventures here. Thank you. Not today. Nothing. I suggest you try over the hill or across the water. Good morning. Well, Bilbo clearly does not want an adventure. Um, But Gandalf, the wizard there, clearly wants him to have one. And as this tale unfolds, 
Gandalf arranges for a company of dwarves who are on a dangerous mission to meet at Bilbo's house. Um, he's, he's pretty upset about this because they eat all his food and they use all his stuff uh, and make quite a mess. Um, but we join them again at the end of uh, the meal. Is, can, it, can everyone hear it okay? Is it loud enough? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Me? No, 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 no. I'm not a burglar. I've never stolen a thing in my life. I'm afraid I have to agree with Mr. Baggins. He's hardly burglar material. Aye, the wild is no place for gentle folk who can neither fight nor fend for themselves. Hobbits are remarkably light on their feet. In fact, they can pass unseen by most if they choose. And while the dragon is accustomed to the smell of dwarf, the scent of a hobbit is all but unknown to him, which gives us a distinct advantage. You asked me to find the 14th member of this company, and I have chosen Mr. Baggins. There's a lot more to him than appearances suggest. And he's got a great deal more to offer than any of you know. Including himself. You must trust me on this. Very well. We'll do it your way. No, no. give him no. the contract. Warren, please, we're off. It's just the usual summary of out-of-pocket expenses. Time required, remuneration, funeral arrangements, so forth. Funeral arrangements? Oh. I cannot guarantee his safety. Understood. Nor will I be responsible for his fate. Agreed. Terms, cash on delivery, up to but not exceeding one fourteenth of total profit, if any. Seems fair. Uh, present company <laughs> shall not be liable for injuries inflicted by or sustained as a consequence thereof, including but not limited to lacerations. Evisceration? Incineration. Oh, I am at the flesh off your bones in the blink of an eye. <laughs> You're right, laddie. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Feel a bit faint. Think furnace with wings. Yeah, I, I, I need air. Flash of light, searing pain, then poof! You're nothing more than a pile of ash. <laughs> No. Oh, very helpful. I'll be all right. Just let me sit quietly for a moment. You've been sitting quietly for far too long. Tell me, when did doilies and your mother's dishes become so important to you? I remember a young hobbit who was always running off in search of elves in the woods. And stay out late. Come home after dark, trailing mud and twigs and fireflies. A young hobbit who would have liked nothing better than to find out what was beyond the borders of the Shire. The world is not in your books and maps. It's out there. I can't just go running off into the blue. I am a Baggins of Bag End. Well, it looks like um, Bilbo is not up to this adventure. 
He's small, weak, inexperienced, and he doesn't want to go. Gandalf is undeterred. He sees much more in Bilbo. And as the story continues, and probably now you want to watch more of this than hear me speak, but there's a little bit more to come. (laughs) Um, But Bilbo does take up the challenge, and we see him transform into a great, strong, experienced, and eager character. God invites us on an adventure. Life. Everyone here has been given life. No exceptions. What do we do with it? How do we live? In particular today, I would like us to consider, are we free? Are we transformed? Are we experiencing renewal? And these are not experienced by all. There are exceptions. So let us read from Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church. Uh, And this is on page uh, 1160 of the church Bibles. And Paul is writing here about the difference between the Ten Commandments given on stones to Moses, that is the letter of the law, and the life that the Corinthians now have in Christ. We're going to read from um, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 4, right through to 4.18. So, um, quite a long passage, but um, it's such a good one. So, here we go. I wonder if it's possible to have some, some lights back. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. 
Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Therefore, through God's mercy, we have this ministry. We do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly, we are wasting away. Yet, inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now, this is a huge passage, and don't worry, I'm not going to go through verse by verse, um, but I am going to pick out three verses and three key words. Those. Freedom, 
3.17, Transformation 3.18, and Renewal 4.16. So let's look at these three ideas. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom? What from? These people Paul writes to, do they not have freedom anyway? What about us? Are we not free? We live in a free country. We get to make many choices. We're free to choose to do all sorts of things. Why don't we consider the opposite of freedom? Slavery. There were many slaves in the time and culture of this letter. What about now? In the UK? In Portswood Church this Sunday morning? Any slaves here? Unlikely that you are enslaved in the way that we might think of from Roman times. But consider a couple of characters I just made up. Ed spends time browsing the internet, looks at a few sites containing pornography, nothing illegal, but it has become more frequently lately with some quite lengthy periods of viewing. Well, what about uh, Ellie? She has to watch each new episode of Holby and has an overwhelming sense of needing to post her thoughts and comments about it on Facebook, but then is really worried about what others will think of her. Now, we know there are many more sorts of scenarios, and maybe you can pick out something that is more directly related to you. But what if I suggested here and now, everyone is a slave? Everyone. A slave to whatever has captivated your heart. That could be all sorts of things. Money, sex, power are common ones, but that's by no means an exhaustive list. Timothy Keller suggests a good way to see what it is that captivates your heart. Imagine for a moment, you're just sat down, no jobs to do, nothing to rush off to, no intrusive sounds, no one else is near you or is going to interrupt you. Where do your thoughts go? Where do they fly off to? What is it that you dwell on? But Paul writes of freedom. Freedom from rules, laws, and constantly checking to see if we've met the standard. Paul speaks of Christ who knows our sin, knows we cannot keep the law, but pays the price for our failure and sets us free. Free to live in him, free to live for him. You could then argue we become slaves to Christ, as it is he that's captivated our hearts. 
This, though, is true freedom, and it's the freedom Paul speaks of. He says it again in a different way in Romans 6 and verse 22. He describes himself as a slave to Christ. It doesn't sound free, but there's a freedom there that is not found anywhere else. Think back to Bilbo. He's not free to go on his journey while he is a slave to all the normal things of life. His dinner time, his doilies and his mother's dishes, they're all mentioned. But he's not free from all of that. He could be, but he's not. So, as we've done a few times at Portswood uh, over the summer, different people speak on different things of their choice. And for me, uh, this is about some recent experiences and realisations, I guess, and events in my journey with the Lord. I was particularly keen to review and look again at what I was doing in various aspects of my life over this last year. Was I continuing the journey? Or had I stopped, given up? In particular, was I still letting God deal with my sin? And was I stepping out in faith? Were my habits going in a godly direction or an ungodly one? In short, was I still being transformed to be more like Christ? Or was I being transformed into the way of the world? Because transformation will happen. We can't go through life without some sort of change taking place in us or being transformed. And it's one way or the other. We're either being transformed to be more like Christ or we're being transformed to be more like the world. Let's read that again from verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image. Jesus is quite clear about transformation when he calls his disciples. You might remember uh, in Matthew 4, he says to the fishermen, leave that, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. There's a change goes on. You're not going to do that, you're going to do that. Transformation is part of our journey. The journey of following Jesus. And it's a continual part. We don't actually get instantly transformed into that perfect finished article. And any of you who know me just a little bit will know that for absolute certainty. But looking through the whole verse, we see that it's the Lord who does the transforming. How? As we reflect his glory. We cannot and do not transform ourselves, but we can stop it coming from the Lord if we fail to reflect his glory. And what we love with our heart will have a far greater influence and transforming effect on us than what we actually know in our head. We know this. Anyone who's eaten chocolate cake knows this. We know that it's bad for us, but we eat it anyway. What we love 
has a far greater influence on us than what we know. And this is where I questioned myself. Was I resisting this further transformation, failing to reflect his glory? And I found some helpful reading in a few books um, that encouraged me. Um, And I'd like to read you a little bit uh, from one. This one's called You Can Change, God's Transforming Power for Our Sinful Behaviour and negative emotions. That might not grab you as a title, but that's where I was. (laughs) Um, And um, it's actually a really good book. I thoroughly recommend it. Um, This is a little bit um, from there. It was Sophie's first day with her adoptive parents. She stalked nervously round her new home, fearing one of the beatings she used to get. The toys in her room went untouched. She couldn't quite believe they were hers. At dinner, she secretly stuffed food into her pocket. You never knew where the next meal would come from when you were on the streets. That night, she felt so alone in her big room. She would have cried if she hadn't long since learned to suppress her emotions. Now listen to her new mother one year on. She crawled into bed with me last night because she was having a bad dream. She curled up next to me, put her head on my chest and told me that she loved me, smiled and went to sleep. I nearly cried with contentment. Sophie had a new identity on day one. She'd become a child in a new family, but initially she still lived like a child of the street. Her actions and attitudes were shaped by her old identity. Christians, too, have a new identity. Sophie's status was changed immediately, but the transformation is an ongoing process. Think back to Bilbo again. Those of you who remember the film or book, think of the transformation that occurs in Bilbo over the course of his journey. It's immense. And if you're not familiar with that, The Hobbit, um, why not read it and just watch that transformation um, of one insignificant little hobbit into a great adventurer of his time. So what could the steps to a transformation from reflecting God's glory, as Paul describes. What could those be? And this is something that came out very clearly for um, quite a few of us last week, actually, as we listened to some of the talks. The first is, be with Jesus. Just rest with him, walk with him, talk with him. Be with Jesus. The second is become like Jesus. And that's the bit where we have to allow the Holy Spirit to do the work in us. Sandra already said there, um, you know, we, we can push that away pretty easily. Sometimes without even trying, just by doing other stuff. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in you. And thirdly, do what Jesus does. So on this journey... We cannot and we will not be transformed just by hearing or reading. 
on this journey, transformation to be more like Jesus is actually not inevitable. We must be intentional. So the third thing, renewal. Verse 16 of chapter 4. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. It's actually quite exciting, I think, to be renewed day by day. But it needs to be constant. You know, it's no good us saying, well, I've got to do that in two months' time, so sometime in between there I need a bit of renewal. This is talking about a continue. This day-by-day idea is a constantly being renewed. Because we're getting worn out by all this life. This journey. And actually, um, if you think about it, our physical bodies do not get to the end of this journey alive. So our renewal is inward. It is the opposite of what is happening outwardly. And I'm, I'm very glad of that. This renewal, like a re-energizing, keeps us going day after day. And where does this lease of life come from? Like all the other things in the passage, the freedom, the transformation, it comes from the Spirit. The Spirit enables, the Spirit reveals, the Spirit frees, and the Spirit transforms, and the Spirit renews. And it's this day-by-day renewing that enables us to step out again and again, to stand up under difficulty, to act in faith, and to persevere where otherwise we give up. I know I need this to complete the journey. Have you ever had that great feeling when you've completed a journey, or even part of it? Because a few weeks ago, I decided I would turn my phone into a sat-nav, because reading maps was becoming quite challenging. My, my opinion is they keep printing the maps smaller and smaller and smaller, so you just can't read them. But it might just be my eyes. Anyway, I installed um, this holder and a cable, tried it out a few times, and after a few tries, I was setting up the next sort of run when Sarah, our eight-year-old, asked me, when we get there, is it going to say, you have reached your destiny? Well, that gives each little drive a kind of whole new purpose, really. But for us here this morning, this journey is about our destiny. It is. Our ultimate, final destination. And perhaps one of the most wonderful things about all of these, freedom, transformation, renewal, is that their experiences that we share together as a community of God's people. We can encourage one another. We can spur one another on and support each other as we take these steps. And for this, I'm grateful because there are many people here in this room now without whom 
I would not be in this place on my journey. Bilbo has the company of dwarves and Gandalf as his comrades to spur him on. They even save him at times. And sometimes they're just with him when it's tough. So perhaps give a thought to what's next on your journey. I think we've heard many inspiring talks over the last few weeks here. And there are many opportunities coming up. So what's next on your journey? Will it be stepping out to become a street pastor? Will it be signing up for the evening cafe church? Will it be sharing a difficulty with a prayer partner or battling sin? Maybe it could even be taking that first step and putting your trust in Jesus for the very first time and heading out on a new journey. I've not really given any specifics here about my journey, but if you would like to ask me about them or share something of your journey, then I'd be really happy to talk about that. But as we consider what God calls us to, a life not exempt from danger, not exempt from difficulty or struggle, but still a life of freedom, still a life of transformation and a life of renewal. What is our response to God? I titled this talk An Unexpected Journey. I hope the journey part is fairly easy to work out. But what about the unexpected? Well, a journey with Jesus, being with him, being like him, doing the things he does, will be filled with unexpected events and happenings. And you will be free, you will be transformed, and you will be renewed. But often in unexpected ways. I'd just like to finish by showing you the response that Bilbo makes. So we'll watch this little clip in a minute. But what happens is the dwarves and Gandalf, they decide, okay, he's been given the chance, off they go, they're going on the adventure. And Bilbo is left all alone in his house with all his stuff and all his life, and he has the chance for everything to go back to normal.